Hi. Um, so this is not necessarily, there's lots of visitors, so I feel the need to say this is not necessarily representative of a typical sermon. So that's my disclaimer. But because of Joe's and Jody's amazing, um, and Betsy's, and probably other people too, um, amazing <clears throat> assembly of the service, it has already a really nice resonance. So thank you. And um, if you would like, I invite you as I'm reading this, because this is the way that I, this is a place that I most hear the spirit in my life. So I invite you to think about where you most hear the spirit in your life and maybe share that afterwards if you want. <clears throat> a few times a year, I run away from the farmstead and rent a hermitage for the weekend. There, with the exception of eating, sleeping, and exercising, I write the entire time. I had reserved a tiny house for last weekend with the intention of diving back into my second Esau novel. I already wrote one of those, which I finished drafting a few months ago. I've been resting the manuscript, which allows me to return to it with eyes that can more clearly see all of the work that still needs to be done. Writing always challenges me, but some stages challenge me more than others. I find the drafting stage to be the most difficult, though it is also the most magical. The magic of drafting comes from not knowing ahead of time where I am going. And the challenge of drafting also comes from not knowing ahead of time where I am going. When I tell people this, they tend to balk, but you must have some idea, they'll say, and I'll respond truthfully, if I do, it's usually wrong. Yes, it does feel, especially in our left brain dominated culture, that one must know where one is going if one is going to get anywhere good. But here's where it gets weird. I have never, never made a logical decision about where to go in my writing and ended up anywhere good. Perhaps other writers are just that smart, but I regrettably am not. I must enter with a dull and stubborn dumbness. I can't know. At this point, I have even learned not to want to know. Because if I know, then I follow my own small, expectable ideas. But if I don't know, then I follow spirit. <clears throat> I know that the previous sentence in some um, assemblies of people might have induced a fair number of eye rolls, <clears throat> but I firmly believe that creation is an act of cooperation with the divine. Materialists might claim that I am simply accessing some inscrutable part of myself, my subconscious, say, when I put my pencil to my legal pad and step off the cliff of the known world. But what catches me when I begin to fall is always so unexpected and so odd and sometimes so nonsensical, not to mention the direction suggested is often contrary to where I think I should go. 
Add to that that there are usually weeks and even long periods of months where I have no idea where I am going, just that in blind faith, I must keep moving forward. Those who create on a regular basis will likely recognize the phenomenon that I'm describing because they can't create well without it either. They may not think of this force as the Holy Spirit as I do. Maybe they'll call it the muse or inspiration but with these different names, they will refer to that same ineffable presence that meets them and ministers to them and leads them along on their journey. Since the drafting stage is where most of the magic happens, I feel that I ought to prefer it. But I must confess that I infinitely prefer revision. If drafting is building a house, revising is painting that house and decorating it and rearranging the furniture. I don't have to worry anymore in revision about acquiring enough materials or leveling a shifting foundation or propping up walls that refuse to stand on their own. When I arrive at revision, I already have a house and my house already has all the necessary elements of a house and anyone else would agree that it is indeed a house. And now I can finally move forward taking that for granted. I can enjoy the assurance of essential matters having already been settled, the certainty of facing a page with actual words already on it, the knowledge that the finishing rests more on my own industriousness rather than the visitation of my inspiring spirit, despite her infinite wisdom and generosity. And this is why I'd been look, looking forward to my weekend at the Hermitage. For months now, I've been drafting a middle grade novel, which is taking much longer than expected to arrive at its end. So the idea of pulling out a different novel, one which I'd already given floors and rooms and a roof, this idea appealed to me greatly. But a few days before my retreat, a twinge began to peck at my plans. I was able to ignore it, until at last it approached the door of my consciousness and knocked. Excuse me, it called, but I noticed that you haven't finished drafting your middle grade novel, and so I was thinking that you should probably spend your weekend retreat working on that book instead. Initially, I decided that this was a joyless idea and therefore wrong, but then I decided that just in case the least fun part of myself had a point, I would ask my husband for his thoughts. I told him what I wanted to do, jump into revisions for an already drafted book versus what I thought maybe I ought to do instead, continue drafting my current unfinished manuscript in my precious time away. Well, which one will be harder to work on over the summer? He asked. The middle grade book, I admitted. And will it hurt to let your drafted novel rest a little longer? No, I admitted with the tiniest tinge of resentment. And will it to be harder? Will it be harder to keep approaching your middle grade book if you've opened up another project that's much easier to approach? I knew I shouldn't have asked you, I said. <laughs> but sadly, Scott was right. And so I shelved my exciting plans and instead spent the weekend writing more on my current manuscript, which, despite the 50 pages I scribbled, is still not done. It strikes me that the whisper to do this, to choose the task I didn't want over the task that I did, 
may also very well have come to me through a channel that is not myself. And the weekend did indeed prove one slow magical slog with a moment on Saturday night when, after having written from seven in the morning until 11 at night and having finally crawled exhausted into bed, the ending of my middle grain novel rose in my head like a vision. And I saw for the first time how the events might generally unfurl. Such moments are sacred gifts, and I will never believe that I give them to myself. Come Sunday afternoon, I repacked my things and returned home to the farmstead and my kids' violent hugs. Well, that's more Silas's violent hugs, not Alex's. <laughs> and my obsequious beagle and my wise and steady husband. He told me to say that. Just, no, he didn't. Who took me out to show me the drip irrigation system he and Alyosha had spent the weekend installing in the garden. The sweet peas had shot up inches and the strawberries blooms had begun hardening into fruit and out in the pasture, the lambs had grown ever fatter on their milk and grass. And with my fresh distance, it was easier once again to see this entire life for what it in one sense is a first draft unfolding in tandem with what to me seems the incontestable magic always in attendance. <laughs>